When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is episode 228. Svelte versus React, what you need to know. Previously titled, The Battle of the Frameworks, The War of the Frameworks, something like that. Mike just changed it live right in front of me. I didn't mind The Battle of the Frameworks, though, but maybe not as SEOable as we'd like. Uh, I also think this might be the first episode of 2023. We're recording this in 2022, but I believe this is the first 2023 episode of Things go to plan, so Happy New Year. Hope you had a good holiday season and ready to rise and grind. I hate that stuff. Anyway, if this sounds interesting to you, I don't know what, like, if rise and grind, but I hate that sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review rating on your podcast app, join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And before Mike kicks us off, he wrote a uh, an article for Scrimba. Uh, about Svelte versus React uh, to to great critical acclaim, actually kind of not literally critics, but he was featured in the Dev2 uh, newsletter and got a whole bunch of hits and it, he got like a badge for favorited, most favorited Svelte article or something like that. So he's going to be covering the topics that he covered in that in that written piece. If you've already read it, then you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, then I will be, of course, linking that in the show notes so you can click on that and read it yourself. But for now, we're going to go over the audio version, let's say, of, of uh, what was covered in that article. So, Mike, please uh, please tell us, what is React? Okay, yeah, I'm diving right in here because, again, first episode of 2023. I also want to wish everyone a happy new year, and we want to get stuff done this year. I think this year will be a really big defining year for us, just to get a little bit of a preamble before we start. Uh Stay tuned for a ton of new content from many different verticals. I think we're going to, Matt and I are going to try many different things. I'm currently creating a YouTube video on chat, creating a site with chat GPT. So if you want, if you're interested in that, you can check out our YouTube channel. It's HTML, all the things on YouTube. Uh, You can find us just by searching or it'll be probably in the show notes somewhere. Uh, Really interested to see how our YouTube content goes because I want to create more videos. I think when I was creating the course for Svelte, relevant to the uh, what we're doing right now in this in this episode, uh, it was a really interesting process for me because I had to learn not only how to teach, but I also had to learn how to video edit and stuff like that. So I'm I wanted to make sure I don't forget those skills. So I'm getting it, jump back into it again. We're going to create a lot more video content for you. There's even a potential, and I haven't even talked to Matt about this fully, but we want to start doing the podcast release on YouTube with video. So you'll be seeing us as we talk and uh, swear at each other silently. Um, <laughs> We're going to like do a little push <laughs> to with talk. Our finger like, ge- yeah, yeah. <laughs> gestures. Ah, exactly. Like, like yelling at you, but like with no sound coming out of my mic. Yeah. So I think 
big part, big part of 2023 is going to be video content. So stay tuned for that. But without any further ado, let's dive into my audio breakdown of that uh, article that Matt was mentioning, Svelte vs. React. It's fully titled Svelte vs. React, which framework to learn in 2023. I'll approach it a little bit differently in this podcast. I'll talk a little bit about what I got wrong in that article too, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but yeah, let's go into first defining what React is. And I'm sure a lot of you listening already know that, but I want to give a, a little bit of a baseline before diving into like the differences between Svelte, Svelte and React. This isn't going to be a combat, like a combat kind of thing. That's why I wanted to remove that like battle tag or battle battle line in the uh, in the title that Matt was mentioning, uh, because this isn't all about just like what which one's better. I just want to present them as options to use for different use cases at the, at this time. There, so there is really good are use not cases. fighting. They're, they're not, they're not going to be, they're not going to be directly <laughs> fighting. I will be mentioning some like things that Svelte does better than React and that React has better than Svelte, but it's not a direct fight. In my opinion, that's not how we should view technologies. We should view them as either progress or alternatives. It's a good thing that there's multiple technologies that can do the same thing because they each do things differently and they learn from each other as well. Uh, and again, we'll talk about that. But just like with a MacBook, I've learned to stay on Windows. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to spark the fire. Burn. I'm just sparking that fire. Burn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. So what is React? Um, again, you've heard of React. It is a progressive JavaScript front end library slash framework. Now, before everyone gets up in arms and gets the pitchforks out that, in the docs, uh, React is labeled as a library. And why am I saying framework with a slash in there? I believe that in certain instances, when you utilize React, you can be utilizing it as a framework. Yes, the React team believes it's a library. They did not make up the definition between libraries and frameworks. I want to make that clear. I don't I think most in, in a lot of cases, it can be a library, but in a lot of cases, it changes enough of the way you do, you approach an application that it is should be considered a framework. You know what this sounds Again, like? This sounds like the same problem that I had when I was looking up selectors for last week's episode, where we start having this. Um, I mean, in that case, it was the spec and this and that. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but it, it the terminology gets confusing when you're learning the theory. And when you're done learning the theory and you're just using it, it doesn't matter as much. But when you're learning that theory or you're trying to write about it, you want to say what it is. You can't be like the McDonald's restaurant known as React. You know, React is not a McDonald's restaurant. So it, it's it, this these little nuances, little confusions, whatever you want to say, are a, a serious problem for anyone dealing with the theory of whatever is in conflict. Yes, and it, it gets confusing and it gets very combative. So again, in the article, uh, I wrote them as being both. So I wrote for a framework or library and people attacked me fully saying that obviously the people that wrote React will know better than me that it is a library and stuff like that. And okay, fine. Maybe they're smart geniuses, whatever. But in my opinion, there are different ways to interpret things and it's okay to have differing opinions on this particular fact because it, in the end does not matter whatsoever. Okay. It does not matter. I'm spending too much time on it, but regardless, it just, it's one of those things that people will combat you on. And I wanted to get that up front. I'm already typing my comment. Yeah. I'm already typing Do my it. angry yeah, comment. Just at, yeah. I'm, I want you to at me. I want you to get angry. Do it. <laughs> React was created in 2013. 
by Facebook, now Meta, uh, and it was able to really dive into the foothold that Angular kind of had and run with it because it was a better product, in my opinion, than what Angular was giving us. Um, and it evolved much quicker and better than Angular has, which is it's a really big kudos to the React team that they've been able to iterate on what they've come out with and make such a stable, solid product that is in the view of almost every web developer, any web developer that's in the industry knows of React and potentially has crossed paths with it, at least used it a little bit because of how it is established itself. In terms of functionality, it's a great piece of technology. That's what I want to say off the bat. Now, it's mainly cons- it's mainly used for handling state management internally and rendering state changes, right? So the big you, the big reason you use something like a JavaScript framework or library is to handle large amounts of data that is dynamically changing on your website or interaction with the website that inter- that affects data that needs to uh, change or update the UI of the website. So whereas with JavaScript, you would have to do all that manually with like document.createElements and document.appends and stuff like that, uh, that kind of stuff can get very, very, very complicated when you have trickling down data coming in, coming down, being, being input by the user. This is where JavaScript frameworks help you the most. So that is what React is best at, and that's what React is really all about. It's a core functionality framework, and that's why mainly people call it a library because it doesn't care about what kind of routing you use. It doesn't care about any sort of external uh, state management libraries. It has, There's a ton of things that can add into React that React can use and utilize, but in its core, it's very good at couple couple things, rendering state and handling state. Now, let me, let me ask you this. So... Uh, this might be more of a question for like a what is a framework episode. I'm sure we've covered this, but I'm, if there's any junior developers listening to this episode and haven't listened to our other framework episodes, I'm sure there's a bit of a question here. And that is maybe you're, maybe the, the junior dev is, has learned the, the basics, the vanilla, the HTML, the CSS and the JS. They're willing and, and ready to go on to something else. Maybe React is it. So what does, I know you're saying, you know, routing and, state management and all that stuff. But what does React do? Let's just, at a high level, we can't cover everything. Is React doing the authentication? Is React handling the server? Is React doing, you know, it's a front-end framework, but is it, is it, are there plugins that handle that? You know, like where, what should a junior dev that has never touched React be reaching for React for in a real-world example? If you're interacting with an API or if you're interacting with data, when data is coming into your website and you need to display it in some sort of dynamic way. So you have a series of blog posts that are coming in dynamically. You don't know how many there are. They're not static, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. React is best at taking that data in on the front end and then dynamically creating iterating over content or creating content or conditionally creating content based on the data that is presented. So it's really easy to write an if statement in your HTML code, for instance. It's really easy to write a loop in your HTML code, right? It's really easy to make it so that if a variable in your application changes, 
Like if a count variable that you set up early on that counts how many times a user has blinked into a camera, whatever. If that variable changes, it's extremely easy to have that change be displayed in real time on the website. So this that, is those are the core functionalities. That would be the reason why, and I believe it still is the case that Netflix's web app is is and or what or was and or is made on React. I haven't checked into this, but that would be because there's obviously movies and TV shows that are coming out all the time. There's obviously little promo materials like there's the big slider and stuff like that. You don't know how many movies are going to be in there. You don't know what movies are going to be there. And I'm sure there's timed things where this slider shows up Monday to Friday and this one shows up Saturday, Sunday, whatever the case is. And so that's why Netflix's web app will use or uses React um, because it, it can handle all these things. It, is, it, it still does use React as far as I know. Right, Mike? I haven't checked it I, on I, Netflix's yeah, status in a long time. I believe it still does. Yeah, I haven't checked it in a really long time. Uh, I don't know if they're doing a rewrite or they did a rewrite, but it did use it at one point. And yes, that's one of the reasons. The other reason is uh, code maintainability across different teams. So React has a way of handling state. React has a way of doing components. React has a way of doing certain things that make it easier for a team to develop coherent code together, right? If you were to have a plain JavaScript project and you were to just be like, hey, team of 100 developers, let's all do this. It's There's 100 different ways you can update the UI. There's 100 different ways you can handle components. There's 100 different ways. It would take you a significant amount of time to come to a consensus on how you're going to be doing certain things. And as you're doing those certain things, like updating the UI, you have to write a significantly more code than you would have to with React because it handles a lot of that in it, the framework. Like in it, it interprets it using like a, a shadow DOM, et cetera, et cetera, or not a shadow DOM, virtual DOM. That's a mistake that I made in the article. I called it a shadow DOM. That is a completely different thing. Well, so let me ask you this then again, another question, another question probably from the perspective of a junior dev. When you say state management and, and that type of thing, I always think of the user state. I don't know if this is correct. The first thing I think of is user state, and that is, is this user logged in and can they view their own profile page and or if they're logged in, Maybe the nav bar is a little different. It shows their profile or they have different options in the nav bar because they're a member or something like that. Is that what we're seeing here? Because obviously that's confusing since React is not the thing that's handling the databases. It's not the thing that is managing the web server. It's not the thing that's handling the authentication. It's doing, say, the visuals and handling the data that's coming in that needs to be largely visually displayed. So what does state management do for React and why is it so good at that, as you've said? So when we're talking about state that I'm talking about, because there's, diff there's different state management stuff and that, that all is also really confusing. There's like Redux, which is a state management library that helps you manage state across all your components in your application. That's confusing. I understand that. But let's talk about what I'm specifically talking about with state. State out of a variable. So what is the current state of a variable? Has it, is it, first of all, has it been initialized? Has it been displayed on the screen? And what is the value of that variable? So what's inside of it? So for example, you might use a variable in the Netflix example where they have uh, the, uh, their rows and like one row will be action, one row will be comedy and one row will be horror, let's say. For example, the the variable might be genre, and it would be set to those things, action, comedy, and horror, 
and then it will dynamically display that dynamic set of data based upon the how the data is tagged in some way, probably in the database, is tagged as action, as tagged as this, as tagged as that. And then it will display, which is the main thing here, as a front-end framework, it will display the action films in this row based upon that variable, and then the comedy, and so forth. It'll run a lot of code based upon that variable as well. So, like, if... if if we're talking Netflix's example, which is maybe a more complicated example and we should talk about something simpler, but regardless, let's talk about Netflix's example. Uh, every time that it has to display a row, it will probably have to have done a call to the server. Mm-hmm. And based on the state of that variable, it will do a different call to the server as well. So there's a lot of logic that's being run based on state of variables, not just UI. The main thing that that logic is, is that most of it isn't just React logic. It's actually just pure JavaScript logic or framework logic or like not framework logic, but uh, network logic, something like that. It's not necessarily related to React in that case. It's just using React state to be able to do the right thing. Right. So just as like just as with front end development in, in general, and I'm sure this might be redundant for some, but that's where React ends, where React ends at the point where it says, hey, you know, Hey server, I need this data. Like, hey backend is another way to say that. I need this data, and then the backend is you know compobulated in whatever way, and it's whatever server type and whatever the wherever the databases are, and it does all that, and then it returns the name of the movie, let's say, to React, and then React will display that based upon a bunch of other parameters that the front end developer has chosen, like the size and this and that and the other thing. Correct. Exactly. So it react is that interface between you, the, the user, the application and the server. So it's that in between, right? It's the in between interface so that you can, the user can see the, the visual. It's generated by react and the server can communicate with the client, which is the, the visual so that it can now create that UI. So it's the in-between. It's that it's specifically the front end in-between. And this is when we're talking about React. There is another framework built on top of React called Next.js. I'll mention that near the end. That does a little bit more full stack. Okay, so we've covered React and I think we've covered JavaScript frameworks a little bit so that that was the point of this segment is like to just get an understanding of what a JavaScript framework is as well as what React is, the history of it. What is Svelte? Svelte is very similar in a sense to React. It was created later, so 2016, three years later, and it was created out of a need for something simpler to handle a lot of data manipulation as well. Specifically, Rich Harris, the creator of Svelte, was working at the New York Times at that at, at that instance in 2016, and they had a lot of charts. They had a lot of crazy an- analytical graphs and stuff like that that needed to be rendered and needed to have some sort of animations and stuff like that. And this is where the need came for Svelte because it w- he needed something simple that could do a significant amount of, leg- of li- heavy lifting on the UI side. And also back to what the, like, um, back to like the front end framework side of things. He wanted something that was less codey, less boilerplatey and less looking like a differentiation from JavaScript, right? So React, if you look at it, it has a lot of boilerplate code that you have to write. You have to write stuff like use state. You have to write, you have to use hooks or you have to use class based React. There's many different elements of React that you are forced to conform to, to be able to perform these manipulations that I was talking about. 
he was looking for something a little bit easier so that entry-level programmers can get in there and write the same complex logic as React, but without having to learn a million different boilerplates. So Svelte was born out of this kind of cloud of stuff of, of, of need and of, of course, talent from Rich Harris that he, he was able to create. I think there was a framework before Svelte that was created as well. I can't specifically remember what it was called, um, but regardless, that was abandoned to create Svelte be, to be a little bit more simple. Now, I want to dive right into the main differences because that's really what this podcast episode, that article, everything that is about, because I think it's really important for people to understand where these two land, like what, why use one or the other. And to do that, what are the main differences? The first and most important main difference, in my opinion, is the fact that Svelte is significantly smaller when you're building for production. It's actually crazy small. So I did an example application. It's in the article where it's just a little water tracker, how many glasses of water you drink a day, you click and it tells you the date and time that you drank that glass of water, increments a variable, shows that variable and stuff like that. It's a simple application, but it does display a lot of the functionality of each framework. I built it in both React and Svelte. Identical for identical functionality. The code is a little bit different, obviously, because React has its own boilerplate stuff. Svelte has a little bit of its own stuff. So it is a little bit different in that. But when compiled for production, when compiled to be built, the difference is React's application, very small application, I just want to say, is 41.2 kilobytes. That's the code that is generated by React to run that little water tracker application. For Svelte, it's 2.1 kilobytes. So, you know, it's a fact over a factor of 10. So it's almost 20 times smaller, right? Uh, that's a significant difference and it can be a big game changer for people that need to create small applications for certain reasons. If you need, if your bandwidth limitations are extreme, if you're developing for a third world that has lower internet usage, if you're developing for for uh, devices that have very low amounts of storage or very low amounts of performance, this is where Svelte can shine because of its tiny, tiny bundle size. How it achieves that, and I'll jump right into another main difference, is that instead of having a framework bundled together to be able to render out the, compl the complex uh, functionality of dynamically generating these UIs, what Svelte does is it compiles itself away. It takes away Svelte and just makes basic JavaScript, HTML, and CSS that represents its functionality. So if you go into the Svelte bundled code, you will see obviously still pretty minified and a little bit complex JavaScript, but it is just doing DOM manipulation. What React code you will see is literally React's bundle code, bundled code that does a virtual DOM diffing. So what that is, is that it will take what's happening in a virtual DOM, which is your React stuff. So if, some, if, a, if a variable changes in, in React, it'll happen in the virtual DOM and it'll do a diff comparison with the real DOM and see what changed and only change that thing in the real DOM. Okay. It sounds a little bit complicated. It is a little bit complicated. And that's why it requires a lot more code. 
What Svelte does, and this is the big differentiator that is not even close to what React is doing, is that it just compiles to regular DOM manipulation logic. If you've ever done DOM manipulation in one of your JavaScript tutorials, like document.createElement, document.appendElement, document.innerHTML, uh, that's what it's doing. It's using native JavaScript functionality to be able to simulate the functionality of a framework. It is significantly easier, obviously, to deploy, to, uh, to play around with when it is deployed. It's good for debugging because you can actually go in and, you know, see what it's doing instead of having to like search through thousands of lines of React code. That's, that's its main differentiator. So it, it, it makes it, that's what makes the bundle size so small. That's what makes the Svelte application perform so well. It's significantly, like, not significantly. Well, in certain cases, it can be significantly faster than React. I have a, a linked article that I linked inside of my article that shows a performance comparison and Svelte almost always beats out React and even beats out Preact, which is like a minified version of React. So I just wanted to get that very clear that this is the main, compar main comparator. That's the main difference between the two of them. Another big difference, or actually, Matt, I don't know if you had. Yes. To say. Yeah. Sorry. I do. I, I do have one little thing to add here, actually. Um, or I guess it's not necessarily to add, but a question. So, you know, you're talking about like a 20, uh, an almost 20 X reduction in your example. And obviously that reduction will vary and whatever, depending on the code, uh, not everything's just going to be yes. a water app. Um, but we are talking about kilobytes here. What potential are, are you seeing or have you seen in, say, an actual production app? Are these things becoming gigabytes in size? Are they just megabytes? Because this is, for the most part, just front end, right? So it's not gigabytes for sure. I have seen applications that are in the megabytes. If This is if you take out uh, images, right? There's applications with hundreds of components, you know, a lot of different uh, views, a lot of different, a lot of logic, utils, tools, stuff like that. There is, there are applications that are big. It's never going to be massive, right? Like you're never going to have a gigabytes to kilobytes comparison here. That's never going to happen because like you said, it is just front end code at the end of the day. React is still pretty fast and React is still pretty small compared to what it was before and compared to other competitors, right? Like compared to Angular, for instance, I think React is beating Angular in terms of size. So it's not that React is unusable because of this. It's just that, again, in certain circumstances, that 20x reduction from, let's say, a 500 kilobyte app to a, I don't know, 20 kilobyte app or the 50 kilobyte app, whatever, 25 kilobytes, uh, is a significant enough indicator for people that are needing to build for, again, unreliable networks, slow processors and slow networks in general. That is enough of a difference. For sure. So with with that being said, then, I guess I have a kind of a two tiered question. So. I'll preamble it with in what we call media heavy sites, maybe blogs have a lot of pictures, media things like I don't know, Netflix or something uh, to, to constantly bring it back to that, apparently. But in anything like that, you probably wouldn't care about the difference because you're already media heavy 
And if the user has an unreliable network or whatever, they're going to experience that no matter what, because the actual payload, the, the, the videos, the images, the content is going to be the ultimately be the bottleneck. It's not going to be the front end develop the front end thing. Now, the other thing I was thinking of is you and I in the past have built a website solely in HTML and CSS with the intention of it working on dial up. So it was very simple, looked very dated, of course, because it did work on dial up, which is dated. And we've we've done that. We've basically built a database in HTML. It's basically just a big table um, in order for that to function. And so my one question with this then is in the in the event that an app requires or has a requirement to work on slow, unreliable networks. Does. Svelte even need to be used because if the app is heavy anyway, the payload is the bottleneck. Another way to say that might be that if you're using something, if you're sorry, if you're if your network that you need to work work with is that unreliable and the app is simple enough to run on there, why would you even go to Svelte? Why not use vanilla plus the payload or just ignore the hardship and use React because the payload meaning the images, the video, and the content is going to be the bottleneck. Why would you care about this 20x reduction when it, like you said, it's not necessarily gigabytes in size difference? So React, okay, so Svelte was built out of need for managing a ton of data, right? If we bring that back to why Svelte is so important in this case, let's talk about a COVID tracker app. Okay. COVID trackers needed to be done for the third world, needed to be done everywhere. In fact, a lot of them were done with Svelte for this very reason. It is a hundred times easier to build a data heavy COVID tracker application that takes in, you know, chunks of data, displays it in, in pagination style and, uh, you know, iterates over a massive list of number of numbered data, right? A hundred times easier than building it with Java, plain JavaScript. The difference between a plain JavaScript version of that and a Svelte version of that would be minuscule, right? It's not 20 times at this point. It's, you know, you're talking way less than 20 times. It potentially could be more because the way that you might write your plain JavaScript to be able to render all that data might be worse than the way that Svelte writes it. That's a possibility. Okay. Because you're not bundling Svelte into anything. Right. So it's just it's just inferring what you need and creating the JavaScript for you that you would need. So it could be smaller than what you create yourself. In fact, I, I believe there's a high chance of that. So in that certain instance, when you're talking about data heavy, not media heavy, but data heavy, because the data is controllable, you can ask for 10 units of data to 100 units of data. All of that is controllable by you, by the server and by you. That's where Svelte shines. You need to spin that up quickly. That's another reason. And I'm going to get right into that right now. That's where you, you, you jump on Svelte. So COVID comes. You need to get these sites quickly. You have two, three developers that don't know React. Svelte is the way to go because Svelte is easier to learn because of its simpler syntax. This is another main difference. And easier to manage that data than what we did in, in an HTML table. And again, way I'd easier. like to state this was approaching a decade ago. So Svelte was, yeah. wasn't a thing. Correct. It would be way easier to manage it with Svelte than what we did with 
the plain JavaScript method, right? So, and, and maintainable because you can go back and it's, it's just clearer. So what React does is it has its own functions for stuff like updating state. So if you want, if you need to update a variable, for instance, this is in my example, uh, you need to update your cups variables. How many cups of water you drank? Your variable is called cups of water. To instantiate that variable to be updatable, you need to use a hook in React called useState. That hook creates uh, cups variable, so cups, uh, number of cups, for instance, and it also creates a set number of cups function. To update the number of cups, you need to use set number of cups as a function and pass in the updated value. Okay. Now, yes, it's not that complicated. I agree. Like that's all pretty straightforward. But when you're looking at Svelte doing the exact same thing, it is the same as you would write it in JavaScript. Let number of cups. That's your instantiation of uh, the number of cups variable. If you need to update number of cups, number of cups is equal to three. Number of cups plus plus. Whatever you want to do, that's the extent of the boilerplate for updating a variable and updating a, a state variable in Svelte, a, a variable that will automatically update the UI if if an, if a change is triggered. Right. Okay. So that's a that's a big difference because when you're first going into React as a JavaScript developer, you see all this boilerplate and you realize, holy crap, I have to learn use state, I have to learn use effect hooks, I have to learn etc. 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 When you look at the same code in Svelte. There are a few little things in there. It's not like exactly like native uh, JavaScript, but it's significantly less. The boilerplate is a lot clearer, right? So this is where the other main advantage or main difference comes in. It is easier to get spun up in. And I have an example of someone that I was trying to explain React to, and they were having trouble fully grasping it. So they, we went into a project together in React and it, you know, a couple of weeks down the line, we just decided, you know what, screw it. We're going to go to something else. This person was a little bit discouraged with React. Same person. We went to Svelte. This was maybe like six months to a year later after this, after the fact. I showed them Svelte. Maybe two days later, they had already built the little prototype application that we were talking about on their own with Svelte. Because it's a lot simpler to get ramped up in. And the crazy thing is, is as they were building it, they were starting to understand the JavaScript framework concepts, the concepts of conditional rendering, the concept of state management, the concept of looping in your, in your DOM, like looping in your actual HTML template. All that stuff is a little bit foreign. It doesn't make sense to someone that's been doing pure HTML, JavaScript and CSS. But as soon as you see it in Svelte, it starts to make a little bit more sense. And when you understand the basic concepts, going to React is easier. So in my opinion, Svelte can be used as a stepping stone if you want to learn all the other frameworks, not just React, like Vue.js, uh, Solid.js, all those ones can be built on with Svelte knowledge. It's going to be different. You're going to have different like boilerplate stuff, but all of it comes down to understanding why you're using certain things. Well, the thing, the thing with React as well, like you, you, you briefly touched on JSX there. Um, I mean, you don't have to use JSX. You could just use JavaScript if I remember correctly. But 
it's very weird. It's not like, you know, you're just setting variables and doing what you would normally do, say, in vanilla. It's you're you're really you're really kind of almost writing. Let's say this is probably the wrong way to say it, but machine code for a machine. Like you're writing React code for React. You're not writing JavaScript to achieve your goal, if that makes sense. You're trying to when I when I saw people interact with it, it, the way I would describe it or the way it stuck in my head was that you're almost writing a driver for React. But JSX makes it so that when you're writing your JavaScript or in this case, your JSX, you're back to what writing vanilla JavaScript was kind of like where you're like, I need a variable here. You you do your let or your const or whatever it is. And then you, you know, oh, I need a function here. You do your function and this and that. It's a little bit more like that. And then JSX kind of handles like JSX has a driver built in to drive React is kind of what it what it like I would say as like a in in terms of layman terms, let's say that's kind of what it's like. And what's weird about it and maybe not weird, but more so what's unfortunate about it is if you are a person that's learned your vanilla HTML, CSS, JS, and then you're like, hey, I'm ready for a a framework. I'm going to go learn React. It's very discouraging to hear right off the hop. Hey, by the way, you got to learn JSX, too. It's like, what? Like, I, I wanted to learn, like you said, the concepts, the looping, um, whatever, repeatable regions, whatever all the different like nuances are, uh, counting up, incrementing, whatever, right in the HTML. Like, I wanted to learn that stuff because I want to slowly transition from using JavaScript and create elements and all this, all this other dominant manipulation stuff that you have to do in vanilla. I wanted to, you know, make that experience easier. And now you're saying I effectively got to learn a new language. Now, obviously, JSX is not going to be as difficult as it is from zero code, like not knowing anything all the way to JavaScript. But it still is a major, in my experience, a majorly discouraging step in your learning journey. Yes, JSX can be a little bit weird uh, when you're first learning it. And that could that, that's a stumbling point for a, a bunch of people. I know that for a fact. I know people coming into React being like getting to the JSX part and being like, what the heck is this? Like, why, why do I have to use class name instead of just class in my HTML elements? Like that one is a little bit weird. Obviously, stuff that you can learn and stuff that you can get through. And then all the curly brackets, all the ternary if statements that you have to use, the way that they handle looping with dot map and stuff like that. It's yes, it is very native JavaScript. It's like JSX is all about like, hey, look, we're just writing JavaScript in our HTML. But on the other hand, like, it does convolute it. It does make it a little bit like a little bit confusing when you have it all mixed in together like that. With something like Svelte, there's helper functions inside your HTML that are not pure JavaScript. They're like if statements in your HTML. It's stuff that you can easily look up inside the documentation and just copy paste and use. It some people don't like it, and I understand that. That's fine. But it is a little bit easier to ramp up on than combining HTML with JavaScript all of a sudden and hoping that someone understands it. Again, this is an opinion-based thought, but it is, tr- it is for me, a, a, a real blocker for some people. The other thing, and the main reason that I think React is a more difficult language to learn, is that they had a distinct separation of uh, the way you write React applications a little while ago, maybe two years ago. There was a class-based React projects 
that used classes to write React components. This were, these were more like traditional MVC style classes with, you know, extends and all the, all the Java and C sharp kind of language that you're used to. They branched to something called hooks to do similar things. So all of the, you know, uh, component lifecycle stuff, like when a component is mounted or created or when a component is destroyed or when to render it and stuff like that, all of that was now done with hooks, which is essentially just JavaScript functions that you can use to hook into the lifecycle of a component. Okay, now it all may, it might be confusing to you, but that's the problem, is that when you go and you look up tutorials, if your tutorials are a little bit older or made by people that are still using, because class-based class, class -based React is still supported, are still using that style of syntax, it can be very different and very hard to understand uh, what you need to use from that tutorial or from that documentation. Before, it was all mixed in together. Like the React documentation was a mess because they were using class-based stuff here and, and hook-based stuff here without really labeling it. It's better now. They, they've agreed that hooks is the way forward. So now like React documentation is actually pretty good. And that's the first place you should look. But again, if you're looking at Stack Overflow or anything, it could be two very drastically different answers that can confuse you. And I think that is a huge barrier to entry for React at this point. Um, for people just initially getting into a JavaScript framework, cause it's like, I, the hardest part is figuring out what's React and what's JavaScript. That's the hardest part initially. That's why you need to understand JavaScript pretty well before you dive in. But even then, when you have two different sets of functionality for the same thing and no one kind of labels it clearly, it becomes a mess. But. Again, having said that, it is possible to get through it. You can look for specific hook temp, hook tutorials, like JavaScript hook tutorials. Again, the documentation is a good way to get started with it. There's plenty of good courses for React because it is dominantly used. It is one of the highest, one of the highest used web technologies out there. And because of that, another differentiator is React has way more libraries and packages built for it. So, this is probably the biggest differentiator that's a, 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 a positive for React and the reason that people will reach for React is when you're building a project that requires a ton of integrations with third-party systems, a lot of those systems, if they're not as popular, will focus on the most popular framework like React and only build a SDK or an integration or a library for that framework. So if you're using something like Svelte and you need... For instance, I'll give you an example of what I recently ran into. Uh, in Web3, if you need to connect a wallet to your application to be able to like show all the NFTs in your wallet, for instance, for whatever reason, if you need that, most libraries are built for React that you can literally either download using NPM or Yarn or whatever, or copy paste into your React project. There are ways to do it in Svelte, but you kind of have to figure that out yourself. So there's little things like that that make it so that when you're initially scoping out a project and you know it's going to have, you know, 10 different integrations with 10 different companies, that should be a huge consideration for which framework to choose. You should, if you want to use Svelte, which is fine, it's still doable, it's still very possible. You need to go through and make sure and validate every integration has a Svelte equivalent component uh, library or can be easily 
integrated manually into Svelte. That it, what I will say is that Svelte makes it a lot easier to do that because of its basic HTML, uh, CSS and JavaScript implementation. So it's really easy to integrate any JavaScript library into there manually, a lot easier than it is with React. So moving on here, uh, with, with that ha having said that, React also has something called React Native. That's another pretty big advantage. Svelte has kind of an, not an equivalent, but it has something that's starting to gain more traction called Svelte Native, but it's built on top of NativeScript, which handles things a little bit differently. Now, I've gotten into a little bit of arguments with people saying that NativeScript handles some things better, uh, but for the most part, let's just, React Native has a thousand percent more support. And because of that is a lot easier to get started with and build fully functional iOS and Android applications using React. So if you're looking for a single code base for multiple applications, right, that feel pretty native, that have good performance, React is still king in that space. And again, Svelte Native looks promising, but I don't see it overtaking that anytime soon. So with that, I, that kind of gives you the lay of the land about the differences between these two frameworks, right? So I have said a lot of good things about Svelte, but there are reasons that React is still dominant. And that's because it had a big advantage initially, and it has not lost that, uh, it, that momentum. It's still a very used framework. Before we get into the conclusion and like what, which one to learn and for which one to use for which different circumstance, uh, I do want to quickly touch on Next.js and SvelteKit. So Next.js and SvelteKit are very similar products, each representing, you know, React and Svelte accordingly. Uh, they are full stack frameworks that allow you to create a full application with server side rendering uh, or static site generation and API generation as well. So you can write express APIs, Node.js express APIs directly in one repo, in one um, code base without having to spin up a separate Node.js server. So it can be really powerful for, for instance, authentication, having handling sessions back and forth, any sort of database communication. If you need to do any of that, this is what you would reach for. It also handles stuff like routing, page-based routing. So that's a big one. So if you want to have like a slash you know, about page and you want to just create an about folder and just put all your components in there and manage them somehow. This is what these frameworks are built for. They're built for making it easy for you to make uh, slash based routing, page based routing and handle larger, more production ready projects. In my opinion, there really is not a huge reason to ever reach for just React and just Svelte. You always want to kind of probably reach for these frameworks that are built on top of them because they make a lot of things easier, including the dev environment, the dev servers, and the deployment. They're both maintained by the same company, which is called Vercel. So Vercel recently actually, they, Vercel created Next.js and they recently um, brought on the creator of Svelte to maintain SvelteKit just full time to make sure that SvelteKit keeps moving forward under the Vercel umbrella. So now whenever something happens with Next.js, like re recently there was an update for their off package, it's now being brought over to Svelte. So the feature parity is starting to happen a lot quicker because of this. 
And because of that, it's just become a lot easier to deploy these applications if you stick with their overarching framework counterparts, Next.js and SvelteKit. So let me ask you this then with this. So you said that you largely recommend that if you're using React, that you should be using Next.js. Yep. And if you're using Svelte, you should be using SvelteKit. What if you're just learning it? Is there even a reason to learn the fundamental React and Svelte? It's a good question. This one I always kind of go back and forth on. At this point, in my opinion, for for both, no. I think you should just dive right into SvelteKit and uh, SvelteKit and Next because there there really is not much of a differentiator in terms of like this is Svelte or React code and this is Next.js code. It's more like file structure and certain functionalities that are easily Googleable and checked in the documentation. Uh, just an additional functionalities rather than changing how they work, if that makes sense. So learning a regular Svelte single page application in SvelteKit is not very different than just spinning up a regular Svelte application. So why just, you know, just go right into SvelteKit because it's a more fully featured product and it's easier to transition to any sort of product after that. So with that being said, then this is not a situation in which you say download React and then install Next.js or download Svelte and do the same, you know, download and install SvelteKit. These aren't major plugins or even overhauls that you install after the fact, you start at SvelteKit, you start at Next.js. And that's another major, major benefit of SvelteKit and Next.js is that they make the whole development starting environment like lightning quick. Right. So instead of installing React and then installing the state management library and the routing library that you might need, they do all that for you in one command ask you a bunch of boilerplate questions like, do you want to add TypeScript? Do you want to do this all in a CLI and immediately generate the entire file structure for you with a readme and everything? That's what these frameworks are best at. So that's why another reason that I always kind of suggest people to start with them is that it's just a really good starting point for everything. But also the skeleton versions of these projects are very basic. And if you just want to learn the basic functionality, it's not hard to just dive into one 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 file and learn it in in that thing so again some people might disagree with me on that but in especially in react i would say there's no reason to kind of go into react at this point just go into next uh there's so many benefits of next over react that it just doesn't make sense with SvelteKit, there could be some argument that like Svelte has some pretty good developer tooling around it but it's still SvelteKit is just a better product in the end So with this, with all this, you know, being said, it's like, okay, you know, you've, what we always recommend, you learn, your, you learn your vanilla HTML, CSS, JS, and now, you know, you want to go to React, you want to go to Svelte, maybe you want to start then what you're recommending is with one of these, you know, the next JS or the Svelte kit, we just covered that. Um, this is going to be, you know, a, a, a very, I don't, I don't want to say controversial, it's going to be a very opinionated response more than likely, but you and I, before this show, we're talking about how things are made like crap. I'm not saying this felt and reactor made like garbage, but what I am want to, what I do want to cover is that the reason why we were saying things were made like garbage before this show started was because we, we we're seeing Mike and I are seeing uh kind of a, 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 I don't know how we'd call this, but it's like everything's made on a house of cards where another layer, another layer, another layer, another layer, another layer. And it's, and it, we're getting to this point where 
we're getting software that's you know very complex because it's doing a lot of things. It's hard to troubleshoot it. It's hard to fix it. Uh, it's hard to make, um, hard to maintain. It needs to be fast because of the venture funding and all this stuff. And we're probably going to have an episode on this type of thing in the future because you could talk about this for hours. Mike and I probably talked about 20, 30 minutes on this before the show. Um, and I just want to wanted to ask, you know, is this, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one of those situations where you have your vanilla HTML CSS JS, you got your React, you got your JSX, and now you got your next JS. And it's similar with um, with Svelte, where you got your, you know, your vanilla stuff, I already said, then you got your, your, you don't have JSX, but you got your Svelte, and then you got your Svelte kit. Is this a layer on a layer on a layer on a layer? And it's going to is it is it going to get to the point where it's like, hey, hang on a second. Why don't we just develop the uh, I forget what Chris Fernandi called it, but the the native platform, I think it is like, why don't we just make, you know, JavaScript better, make HTML better, make CSS better so that we don't have to have this because now we got a framework that comes out to solve a problem. That thing has problems in the nature of its own, of its own complexity. So then another project comes out to correct the problems that it's created. Is this, and I don't have an answer. Is this a house of cards is, are we climbing and creating and are we a part of a house of cards when it comes to things like this? So I think this is actually a step away from the house of cards uh, because it does a lot it, it standardizes things so the okay. great thing about nextjs and sveltkit is that it standardizes how you handle routing it standardizes how you handle the back end it standardizes how you do many many different parts of the application whereas before with like pure react there was react and there was 15 different ways to render the ui and 100 different ways to do the state management and 100 different ways to do the routing that was a little bit of a house of cards because anytime a new team came into your project, they had to learn not only React, but the 15 different libraries that you decided for the opinionated stuff around it. With what, what Next.js and SvelteKit do is that they make it so that, hey, this is how you handle it. This is the way it's done, right? So now what you can do is you can Google stuff directly for SvelteKit. If you're having troubleshooting issues, you can Google stuff for Svelte if it's a Svelte-related stuff. But you don't have to now rely on different external libraries, 15 different ones, to handle the same thing over and over again. So in my opinion, it's a step in the right direction in that sense. Now, obviously, you can still bring in things like around around these applications that could make a house of cards. That ha- that's going to happen no matter what. The complexity of the app grows. It's going to become more of a house of cards as, as it comes in. I think going to a more native JS style approach is probably where we're headed, but you're talking, you know, like 10 years down the line at best where some of this functionality that's felt and react will start trickling into JavaScript enough to make it so that you might not need one or the other one developing complex UIs. This is the transition that that Chris has talked about on the show and and our transitional web episode actually. Yeah, and I believe in the tra- transition. I think it's going to happen. I think, first of all, TypeScript will be impl- embedded in some way, shape, or form. And second of all, all this dynamically generated UI stuff will be slowly put into JavaScript natively. But again, 
saying that and being like, oh, I'm not going to learn one of these because of it is a mistake for sure. These are very powerful tools that are becoming more and more mature. Both Next and Svelte are great. Like, I just want to put that out there. I know I sound like someone that likes Svelte more. And sure, that might be true to a certain degree, but I really like Next.js as well. I use both pretty significantly. I also use Nux.js, which is the view equivalent. I use all three on a weekly, monthly basis. They all do their job very well. And they make my job a lot easier because of the standards that they've imposed on the industry, right? So that's where the house of cards starts to make, make it less complex. But obviously building on top of it can start, you know, generating that house of cards. But I don't think it's because of these platforms. And that, and that's good news. You know, transitioning is, is good news. And, and I, you know, we experience this sort of. I'd say this expansion and then say contraction type of thing all the time in, in even our daily lives. Like I'll go nuts and buy a whole bunch of electronics. Once I'm into something, if I'm into building circuits, all of a sudden I'll go and buy a bunch of Arduinos and whatever. And then all of a sudden I'll learn what I like in it, figure it out. And then I contract, you know, I, some of that's like, I shed some of that stuff. I get rid of it or it goes into a drawer and I never see it again. And, and I, and I don't buy the next generation of all the things I've bought. I like contract in and, we could see that with this kind of house of cards effect where, where it's like, you know, right now, sure, things are kind of all over the place or whatever. But if we're, if we are truly in this transitional web period, we're in that, we're contracting. We're no longer like, holy crap, the web can do a whole bunch of stuff. Boom. And then there's this huge explosion of like innovators and people and engineers and whatever companies go crazy and they build all these all these tools and these frameworks and these plugins and the this and then that and the whatever and then all of a sudden like now it's like hang on hang on a second we got problems here we got things going down we don't even know where the hell things are where's the logs where's this where's that whatever you know i'm sure there's other engineering very specific you know niche or even like meta uh issues not meta the company um issues where people are like this is fundamentally not really how we should be doing this and stuff like that, I'm sure, has arisen, and then things get fixed up, fixed up, fixed up, fixed up. So I'm, I am keen to see the the cleaned up version, the transitioned web. I'd say in this transition, because I, as we've discussed, there seems to be multiple transitions, just as tech obviously evolves. But I'd love to see this had this particular house of cards that we're in the midst of um, be say solved or virtually solved anyway. Yeah, I think, and I think it's heading there, honestly, like uh, when, whenever we get around to it again, Matt, where you kind of dive into react or Svelte, you'll be diving into one of these frameworks. You're not going to be diving into pure react and Svelte. You'll be diving into next or Svelte kit. So I'm curious to see what you think, because the last time you did it, obviously it was a while ago. So it's evolved a lot and become a lot more standardized. Well, this is going to be a very interesting thing, too, because we, you and I discussed, and I'm not promising a video or anything, but you and I discussed making a video series where you take a site, like a project, small business site, for example, you make it in vanilla, then you make it in Svelte, then you make it in React, and then maybe you make it in Webflow, and you do the whole comparison of, here's, an, here's a popular no-code tool, here's a popular framework, here's a popular this, here's a popular that, maybe try it in, in WordPress, here's a popular... Uh, you know, website creation tool that can evolve with plugins and stuff like this. And all those discussions can be had because you're like, hey, you know, this was a real pain to build in vanilla. But this was really easy in Svelte. 
And React was easy, but maybe it was overcomplicated, you know, whatever, stuff like that. And I think those conversations can really come from that. Again, I'm not promising that piece of content, but I do think that when and if I react, jump into React and or Svelte, whatever one I choose or whatever, whatever the whatever the future holds, um, it will be a very interesting comparison because like even in this episode, I'm always interested in the comparison. Like, why are we switching to that? Why are we using that? And I think that that is a very actually key question for for especially the junior dev out there that is not is not necessarily doing this just to try it. You know what I mean? Like they're they're literally like, hey, I'd like to make a career move. I don't want just to try this. Where do I go? Why do I want to do this? And so having you know, topics like that discussed would be helpful from, I would, I would think from freelancers through people just trying to get a job. hundred percent. And just to segue right into like from what you said, right into what you should learn right now, which one Svelte or react, obviously it depends, but the junior developer that's looking for a job right now, I always recommend them to go to the true tried and true react because it's still the dominant force in the industry. And if you look at LinkedIn or if you look at your Indeed job board locally, you can clearly see the picture of what is the most popular in your area. Now, this is going to vary a little bit. So in some areas, I have seen Vue start to creep up and I have seen Svelte in a little bit here and there. But just look for yourself. Most of the time, it will be we're looking for React, Next, or whatever developers. And... The reason for that is that it's just the industry standard at the moment. It's been the industry standard for, well, not since 2016, but I would say at least since 2018. And I don't see that ending anytime soon. So again, if you're in a position where you're like, I need a job as quickly as possible and I have the capacity to learn, go through React and Next.js. That's the route to go. I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact that, you know, Svelte is great and all that. It is great. But if that's your situation now, if you're already a developer, you're a junior developer, you're, you know, you've, you've been a senior developer, an intermediate developer, whatever, and you're looking to start a new project, side project, or a project inside, like internal project in your company. And you're at the point where you're choosing a tech stack. That's when you should start looking at Svelte. That's when you can start to improve the developer experience internally for other developers. Because I guarantee you that most of them, when they try it, initially they'll probably you know push back because they know React. But in my opinion, a React developer has absolutely no problem picking up Svelte. And I've had this happen. I've led a team where we had React developers and I chose Svelte as a stack and there was no friction whatsoever. The, the, the biggest friction was during the meeting when uh, announcing which framework we were going to use, there was a hand up being like, well, why don't we just use React? Because we all know it. And I was like, we're going to go away from that a little bit because I don't think you have, you'll have any issue using Svelte. And that turned out to be 100% the case. Okay, so Svelte is... Not an issue if you already know any of the frameworks, React, Svelte, or uh, Vue, React, Angular, you can pick up Svelte really easily. The other situation where you would want to learn Svelte is if you're having trouble wrapping your head around React. I mentioned it before, but as a stepping stone, Svelte is a good way into JavaScript frameworks. 
And you shouldn't feel ashamed that you don't understand React because I've already mentioned that there's some confusion with the classes versus hooks. There's some confusion with JSX. That stuff can get confusing. But I, I can tell you that if you learn Svelte, that stuff will get less confusing. And you'll start to pick up the nuances of a JavaScript framework a lot better and start to pick apart what's actually React and what's just JavaScript and what's just like which part of it you actually will need to learn. And that's the key. That's the, that's the thing that I think is confusing most people is like, what part of this syntax is actually React? It's not very clear a lot of the time because it looks like JavaScript, but really it's like a boilerplate React. Um, but other than that, really, Matt, unless you have any other input, I think that's it. I, I wanted to make that like what you should learn section very clear. And I think I've boiled it down enough to make it easier for people to choose. Uh, the only other question I guess I have is if, you know, some people will go right into a framework, they won't learn the vanilla, like we've said. In that case, do you think that Svelte is still the easier one to learn? Or is, like, you, like you're, you're coming from zero coding knowledge. Or do you think that React would be because you're, you're like starting with JSX and like, is there any, any sort of nuance there or any sort of like feedback, I guess, that you could offer? Well, the biggest feedback is don't, uh, <laughs> don't go that path, but you're right, Matt, that happens and people will choose that no matter what. So I, I personally think that Svelte is even, makes even more sense in that situation because you're kind of learning JavaScript alongside it. It doesn't have as much boilerplate. So therefore you're forced to learn JavaScript as you learn Svelte. Like, it, it makes sense. Like if you're going to go that route, it's probably better to go the Svelte route first, understand the basic concepts and then go to React because you, you will have in turn learn JavaScript enough to understand the differences inside of React. So, I mean, that's an opinion. It's probably like, again, a lot of people will ignore that and just go straight to React and be fine. Um, but I think it comes down to really the hindrance that you're putting upon yourself is debugging and expanding the platforms. Like you can, you might be able to build out the platform with a lot of copy paste boilerplate code and understanding it. But as soon as something goes wrong, I guarantee you that's where you're going to start struggling the most. And you're going to spend way more time on figuring out what is wrong due to not knowing the differences between React and JavaScript than you would if you would have had a good base in JavaScript before going into it. So that, that's my warning to you. Again, you don't have to listen to me. There's plenty of developers and plenty of examples out there of people that went that route and were successful. I can't even imagine trying to jump into a programming language without having the basics myself. But I guess it kind of is almost just like jumping into JavaScript for the first time, if you really think about it. Um Because we always kind of, you know, preach the vanilla, but it's not like it's necessarily easier. It's just that it's a building block of the web. And whereas React and Svelte may one day disappear, the chances of HTML, CSS, and JS disappearing is, I would estimate that it's less. Unless browsers and everything suddenly start changing and tech slash the web change uh, completely fundamentally uh, changes and sites are way different. I would say that like these, these bigger, th these frameworks might be killed off in the transition that we're talking about or drastically changed. Again, this is all speculation. Um, it's just opinion and things can change on a dime. All of a sudden react could become the absolute best way to 
make things for a VR headset. <laughs> you know, anything can happen. Anything can happen out there. But just just uh, something to consider. And thank you for answering the question, Mike. But I think it is time to end. I think we've covered this well. Um, <clears throat> again, Mike wrote a uh, written article on this that I will include in the show note, a link to it. Uh, if you haven't read it already, please go and check that out. And it is time to thank our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gassel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on thewebhacker.com, Bib Hashash, Nine Block Media, NineBlockMedia.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff and Kale, and Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. If you want to become one of these Patreons or even a, a different, I think we have a coffee donor one, I think we've called it. Uh, please go and check us check us out on there on patreon.com slash HTML all the things. And uh, this outro is going to sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All the Things podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.